Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Miles Sexton, a content creator, activist, and loud and proud disruptor of the norm. On Our Private Bits, we talk about the things and people that don't get talked about enough, or at all. Trust me, as a sober, HIV-positive, non-binary person, I would know. Join me as I chat with people in my life and from around the world whose stories deserve to be heard. Maybe you'll learn something new, and you will definitely LOL. Our Private Bits is also part of the ACAST Creator Network. All right, cuties. Today on iPowerPoint Bits, we have a very special guest and one of my besties, Sarah, also known as the Bird Sapaya, who is an amazing content creator, body positivity model, activist, been to Disneyland more times than I know know. anyone in the entire world. Sarah is literally such an empowering woman, and I'm so grateful to have her in my life. Want to say hi, Sarah? Hi. Thanks for having me here. Oh, I'm so happy we can finally get you on the I podcast. I know. This is, I mean, we're talking about, you talk about some spicy stuff and I'm like, bring me on. Oh. Let's unleash. I love this. I also love, you're the most adorable human ever. You just counted yourself in to start the podcast. I have like, I, I you know that um, Lemmy does that. She, whenever we're taking a picture, she goes, one, two, three, cheese. One, two, three. And I was like, you just did that. You counted yourself in. I was like, that was brilliant. I just I very much enjoyed sitting here and getting oh, to witness thanks, that. Thanks. <laughs> You're getting to see the, the behind the scenes yeah. of like me mentally working through all of these things with the podcast and just in general. I'm yeah. always like, Tyler's like, I have to count for Tyler as well whenever we're like making content for things. Yeah, so counting. he like knows what to do because yeah. he's not in my head, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, I feel like to start, I really want to kind of just like talk a little bit about, I know we spoke about a little bit on your podcast about how we connected Mm -hmm. but I I just I have to bring it up again just because I don't know I don't feel like I meet many people in my life where I see them for the first time I really didn't know who you were to be honest at all prior to like Uh -uh. meeting but there was just this like energetic connection that I feel like it was magnetic it was was magnetic and we both felt it which was so special that was such a special day. We were at Boots and Hearts. And I remember just being in love with your outfit. That was like my intro. But we kept finding ourselves in these corners and like through the middle of like a tornado warning. And it was like everything was going on around us. And yet we were just so anchored to having conversation with each other. Agreed. And we couldn't stop. And I remember the next day, the morning, I said to my husband, I don't feel this very often, like so magnetically drawn to somebody. Yes. I want to write them, but I feel like that's so weird. I just met them last <laughs> night. And as I'm typing to you, you send me a message. Literally. And I was like, you have no idea. This is absolutely amazing. But yeah, we've been in each other's lives ever since. And it's like, it's this weird, like soul thing where I feel like I've known you my whole life. Totally. I feel the exact same yeah, way. I just was like, it's like we met and it was like, oh yeah, we've, we were, we have like these first photos together. And yes. then we ended up having like a line of people taking pictures of us together as if yes. we were like a unit of some sort. <laughs> we've like, we literally met 30 seconds ago. It was amazing. But I think it's really funny now, like now that it's been like a year, people 
I don't know why. It's like, and we haven't even done that much together. I know. But like, people think of us as a unit, which is so strange. And everywhere I meet, people are like, where's Sarah? Yeah. Like, they just like expect (laughs) us to be together now. We've been together like five times ever. Literally. We just talk a lot. It's so funny. (laughs) It makes me laugh. Like, when I went to Boots and Hearts this year, like, everyone was like, where's Sarah at? Like, I I knew you were going to be together, but I mean, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save yourself from that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Stayed back from it this year. But you know what? I I love that we had that like initial meeting meet and we have so many like we've had so many times where we've gotten to connect but we genuinely haven't been in the same room all that often no it's It's just a lot of how we showed up online for each other and I feel like you have shown up for me personally a ton you're just like one of those people like I just don't see my life without you in it now and I'm like that's just how we are and it's interesting because Shane really felt it too, like Aww. really connected with Ty. And yeah. I was like, look at us. Like we come to visit you twice. Yes. You live two and a half hours away and we have trekked out. The so appreciated. Baby loves your dogs. Like it's just so many really cool like pieces, but you are such an icon in so many of the fashion spaces and so much stuff that you've been doing. And yet where we've connected the most is like just sitting down and like enjoying a Agreed. meal. It's just, that's kind of uh, special. I love it. It is. It is. Yeah. And, and I'm so excited that we get to kind of sit down today and a lot of the things that I want to talk about, I've always been curious that we haven't really oh, had the chance. You I know, it's getting spicy today. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but to, to preface, I think for maybe people who mm-hmm. are not familiar with your whole journey, I'm wondering if you can maybe sort of share just like maybe a little bit about your journey that you've sort of been on with yourself, with mm-hmm. your body to really yeah. get to this place of like who you are now that yeah. people see online. Yeah. Well, I think to start off, you did intro and say body positivity. And I want to just like take it back for a quick second because this is body positivity is such a blanket yes. term that's yes. been used, but it was, it's actually mostly for those who are in large bodies mm-hmm. who are out, outside of straight sizing. So I always try and like acknowledge my privilege that yes. I am still straight size. I'm a mm-hmm. size 12. I can still shop wherever. So I'm still in a very privileged body while different. So I don't actually use body positivity anymore. I try and anchor myself in body confidence and even body neutrality is like sometimes a really safe space to be. But for me going back, I've been a creator for 15 years, but when I started, it was a lot of like your home or crafts or your kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember just loving all of that. And when social media really came about Instagram, particularly the camera shifted away from the decorations of your home and very much onto yourself. And I felt that. And that happened at the exact same time that I ended up moving back to my hometown. And I was in my third postpartum and I was about 225 pounds. And I had been in a larger body most of my life since I was about 12. I always knew that I was bigger than my friends. Mm -hmm. I was often the biggest girl in class. Things were very diet culture-y back then. And they still are now. But I mean, I was weighed in front of all my friends in the ninth grade in gym class. That sounds mortifying. I remember joining a gym and in front of everyone working out, having like inches of fat pinched on me and told how overweight I was when I was like 14 years old. It was a constant reminder that like I didn't fit into like this perfect mold. And so bring us into, you know, go back maybe seven, eight years ago, everything shifted to a social media platform that was very centric on what we looked like. It was the almost the birth of the selfie, mm-hmm, right? Totally. And the selfie and the outfits and the outfit of the day and all of these things. And and I felt that. And at the same time, being back in my hometown where I was going to run into people, 
And I thought, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling all this hate for my body. I'm ready to like take back control and I'm ready to, you know, lose this weight. Mm -hmm. And so I threw myself at that. I, and I was so determined, but I didn't have financial access to very much. So I was doing it with downloading an app on my phone and working out in any way I could as much as possible. So I was working out up to three times a day. Wow. I was counting calories in every single bit and it was working. I was losing weight very, very fast. And at about um, maybe 40 pounds down, people really started to take notice. And I started to have, I mean, at that point I'd been a creator for maybe five or six years and suddenly people were really validating me. I felt so loved and approved of. And I started this basically weight loss Instagramming and talking about my body in that way. I ended up losing over 100 pounds. I got down to 113 was my lowest. I was a size zero and I'm 5'8". So that was very, very, very small. And all I remember about that time was how terrified I was to leave the house. Mm. And you have to remember my motivations in losing weight were very centered in, I just want to live my life. Like I want to not be scared of leaving the house. I want to exist around my children. I want to play with them. I want to be healthy. I want all of these things. But what I was doing is I was trying to hate myself into happiness. And so when I got down to this size zero, this, you know, quote unquote, what I thought was perfect, this amazing after photo that I've been presenting online, my life was in shambles. My marriage was ending. I was scared to leave the house because I was actually feeling so much pressure to be so perfect and so much smaller in this after photo that every everything about leaving the house scared me. I actually had more anxiety and hate towards my body than I did at any size. And I really just had to take them. I mean, my life was bottoming out. I was moving back in with my parents. Anybody who follows me knows the story. I have three kids. I've moved in with my parents. I'm in my 30s. And I have to acknowledge for the first time head on that weight loss didn't answer my life's problems. I wasn't happier. I was struggling. I had a lot of health issues popping up. And while I never went for a formal diagnosis and why I don't ever say I had an eating disorder because I don't have that, I definitely had very disordered eating. Mm -hmm. I had a very bizarre relationship with food where it was so based in fear and just control in a way that was not healthy whatsoever. And so I was going through therapy at the time. My therapist was very much wanting me to start learning how to form my own opinions. I was married since I was 19. Now I'm, you know, in a whole new stage of life. And she's like, you need to figure out how not to, she actually called me a sponge. I'll never forget it. She called me a sponge. And she was like, you don't have your own opinions. You have what other people told mm -hmm. you. And I realized that I had to start thinking for myself and what do I like and what do I think and what are my opinions and all of that stuff that is so important to do at every stage of life, but was kind of new for me. And she encouraged me to write them down. So I started journaling my thoughts in the notes app on my phone. And at the time, we didn't really do long form captions on Instagram. And <laughs> I started making these very long captions discussing how I was feeling and sort of tiptoeing my way into this world that I'd seen so many people talk about, which was loving your body. Mm -hmm. And I think I also fell down a different pathway with that too, where I felt that loving my body would mean that I loved the way it looked. 
now sitting where I am now and, you know, after a fourth baby and going through even more body change, I realized that loving your body is not centered in a feeling. It is centered in an action, just like every other relationship in our world as a parent, as a partner, as a child, as whatever, as a friend, you have feelings that come and go, but it is so anchored in your actions Mm -hmm. and that's what love is. And I've had to remind myself over and over. So I don't actually love what I see in the mirror. And I think that that's okay for me to say out loud. What I do is I show up every day and I love my body and I keep, I show up in my relationship with my body. I show up as a parent in my body. I show up online in my body. I just keep doing all the things that make me uncomfortable because when you get to that point where you're just like saying yes is the hard part, but actually the rest of it is, is kind of just, I don't know, the cherry on top. I found so much confidence in just showing up as I am Mm -hmm. and not waiting for this destination that my body is going to. And even if my body got to a destination, let's be real. It's not going to stay there. We're all aging. We're all dying. We're all changing. (laughs) Like we're ebbing and flowing every second of every day. So, um, yeah, now I'm just in a season of yes. And in a season of like, you don't actually have to love how it looks. You have to love how you show up. You have to just love yourself in action. And I just, I think I appreciate so much with you is that like you, you really are like, I feel like you're showing what is, is oftentimes like are so stigmatized or like everyone just is, hasn't even unpacked or hasn't even faced, I think the amount of shame that they feel maybe towards their body, you know, and you're posting it online. And I think that that is like dismantling so much, you know, every time I see it, I, 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 you know, especially when you show your belly with like your stretch marks Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like I, I think of my mom, Mm -hmm. to be honest, not like, because you're the same age, but my mom used to like, literally get so mad at me and my brother and my sister. And she used to like pull her stomach out and she's like, look what you did to me. Yeah. And she used to like, say it in such a like mm-hmm. demeaning sort of way mm-hmm. a lot of the time when we were kids yeah and it's you just wrecked like, my body it's such a common exactly. it's such a common sentence that so many mothers often say like it, it's like often a joke and it's in yes. jest but like you wrecked my body like you know it's it's very common to totally. say that and feel that but it's like you know I, I love that you've just in a way of like celebrated, I think, and just, I think change the narrative and, and the verbiage that I think that you're using mm. around, around, around it, you know? Yeah. And, and, I, and I hope that it is inspiring. I know it, it definitely yeah. is inspiring so many other women yeah. and people out there. I hope you, you know, even for me, you know, yeah. you, I feel like you're inspiring me because going back to what you, what you said earlier about, I think just like being told that like the kind of the cookie cutter that you needed to fit yeah. into it's like you know I I relate to that too like I when I was a young teenager and going in into my like early 20s you know I was went out into the modeling world and I was doing kind of like a type of modeling that was like you know men's and women's wear I was mm-hmm. doing something kind of in the middle and it was the same thing like everyone kept telling me I was too too overweight for women's wear and I but I was too skinny to do men's wear wow you know yeah. and it was like I I literally was like at that time was like 20 years old. I think I weighed, I, I'm like six, six feet tall. Mm-hmm. I think I weighed 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. I was so underweight yeah, because I was like in a part of this like psychological sort of battle yeah. of like, you know, trying to like just fit into what 
you know, adults oh. were telling me to be. Yes. It's ingrained in us from such a young yeah. age. And even into adulthood, we set these bars for ourselves that are based on our clothing. And I don't remember the first time I ever heard the notion of like clothes are meant to fit us, not the other way around. And yes. I remember just being like, oh my God, I was never like, it's actually totally okay when I go into a clothing store and their clothes don't fit me because that's not a me problem. That's a them problem. But that's also a very nuanced thing because mm -hmm. people are like, well, we still have to wear clothes. So where do we find them when they don't fit us? It can be such a frustrating process when you're going through change or trying to discover your identity or wanting to wear certain things. And you just don't feel like you fit. Yes. The industry is built off a mold. Totally. So when you're outside the mold, it's very hard to sort of break that. And speaking of stretch marks. I didn't know other people had them like I did. Yeah. It took me, well, actually me modeling for NYX and then posting a photo yes. of me in my underwear for that to go viral, for me to read the comments from other people saying, you have stretch marks like me, for me to even find out that there were other people totally. that existed that had stretch marks like that. So think back six years ago that I didn't know six years ago that other people had stretch marks like mine. And now I get to wake up and it's getting more common mm -hmm. in advertising. People are breaking the mold. Nick's did that. They did it through me and with me. And now I get to, I'll never forget that because I had held on to so much shame about my stretch marks. It was a weight that I didn't realize I was carrying. And when that happened, I think I was about eight to 10 years postpartum mm -hmm. of my third child. Whoa. So I'd had these stretch marks and I'd been hiding them since I was 20. So now I was able to sort of, the shame was gone. There's this quote I love that's once a secret is told, it loses its power. Mm -hmm. And I felt that. Yeah. This photo that when I first saw it, I thought I was going to pass out puke and crap my <laughs> pants. And then it was out and just seeing the response, I was like, it just shifted everything in me. And I think that I, I know that so many people are struggling and finding parts of themselves ugly or, or struggling with the grief of change, mm -hmm. which grief is just a processing tool for change. Totally, I think is. it's important. We can't just be like, just love it. Look what your body has no. done. No, grieve it. Yeah, like, you it's have actually to go okay. through those steps. It's okay to go through that. And also, let me be here. 10 years ahead of you down the road and I will keep showing up with these stretch marks. I will keep letting people be like, do you really have to show your stomach again? Yes, because we are saturated with one mold over and over and over. And there's such low representation for anything else. And the more of us that continue to show up in what we represent in our own shape and in our own um, mold, I guess, the more of us get to see reflections in each other mm -hmm. or at least understand that there isn't just one. There isn't just one shape to be. And it's okay if you fall outside of that. And it's actually really beautiful. And if you've never had a child and you have stretch marks or an apron belly like mine, the one thing I always try and remind people is even though I've walked that path of carrying life because a lot of people generalize and, and justify certain parts of their body or honor it because it carried life, I always like to remind people, like, it carried yours, though, too. Like, it yes. carried yours. I did this video once that was, like, um, what I see when I look at my body, and I showed all of these, like, snippets of each of my children's lives. And at the end of it, I, I, and I say their names periodically throughout it, and at the end, it ends with my name. Because at the end of the day, whatever it did for anybody else is so secondary for what it's done for me. It's carried my life. Mm -hmm. It's carried your life that is going to also bring change and discomfort and grief and joy and all of those things too. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And that is, that's such a beautiful, like I think way to like sort mm. of all lay it out.
Yeah. Now, do you think that like because you're you're posting like, you know, these images, do you ever get people like especially when you work with brands being like, oh, can you post like someone that like looks like me or like that like goes sort of like against, I guess, like you showcasing yourself in that way? Not too much. I mean, I've had I, I there's always like when you're working with brands, there's usually like, different things. And it's not often I get opportunities to sort of showcase mm-hmm. that sort of work. Obviously, people like Nick's are amazing yes. because they're that's like so such a big part of their ethos. It's just like showing up and finding support where you are. But a lot of other things I work with, I mean, the conversations are around like how clothing fits. And yes. I'm very open to be like, this is how it looks here. And yeah. this is like, you know, it's it's great that I sort of have that creative freedom. And I also feel like at this point in my career as well, I know myself and I know my audience well. So mm-hmm. if a brand is like, and there's also so much more to me than a body, there's so much more to all of us, even though I try and like anchor people in those truths because I'm so willing to do it. There's so much more. I love fashion. I love like family stuff. I yes. love Disney. I'm going to showcase all of those things too. And you're not going to see my stretch marks in the middle of Disneyland. For sure. So there's like, it, there's such a mix, but I, I really loved, I feel like a few years ago is maybe a little bit edgier with it. Mm-hmm. I remember just like fully being in laundry online. Yes. And like, I haven't done that as much so much anymore. And I think that's just such indicative of like where I am in life. Totally. Um, Cause did you find that like, were people like sexualizing you a bit? Like, oh, do they I mean, still do it? they always like, sexualize me. I yeah. actually just went through this morning the filtered comments on Ooh. TikTok. I didn't realize there was, like, a section. <laughs> yes. And it was, like, so many people just wanting to, like, spank my ass. And I was like, this is just bizarre. Like, I've just landed in a weird in a weird arena here. But, yeah, it it's interesting because not as much. It's more, if I'm going to be completely honest, women are very judgmental. We mm-hmm. really talk about um, the patriarchy. And I think when everybody... Whenever I share a troll comment, people always assume it's a man. And it always shocks them that it's usually women. Yes. It's usually other women around the same age in a, in a similar mm-hmm. life walk to me. And we are so judgmental of each other. We really uphold the patriarchy because we've been so conditioned to feel in competition with each other, yes. to feel judgmental of each other. It's common talk in a mom group to talk about a, what another mom is doing. It's common talk since high school to talk about another girl's hair or her clothes. Men are running the world because we are distracted by our bodies and our lives and being jealous and judgmental of each other. So I do find it really interesting when I look back at things like that. I had a really hard time transitioning into becoming pregnant because I felt like I was really owning the fact that I had stretch marks, the fact that I was Mm -hmm. like a newlywed and I had I was a sexual being. And then I found myself to be pregnant and it was like I became maternal. And I remember making a post once like newsflash most women become pregnant by having sex (laughs) and it was like such an aha moment for me and I think several others because there is this weird you're a mom you're where you have cleavage you're a mom Mm -hmm. you're gonna talk about these things and it's like yeah I'm a person that is a mom like I'm a human that is a mom but now like I just am I, I just found it wasn't a it wasn't a battle I was willing to fight. It also just wasn't a place I continued to want to talk in. And I think it's just more maybe indicative of like where I am in life, whatever. But I, I still stand by it. I still feel like women really lose their opportunity to feel like they are still a sexual being 
once they enter into a certain age or a motherhood. Absolutely. And I really wanted to like take that back a little bit. We need to because we need to unlearn, I think, this like colonial control oh like construct that we've all like, especially groups that are like have been oppressed, mm-hmm. you know, that are just so ingrained, not mm-hmm. only in like, you know, how we were raised, but mm-hmm. also in our generational trauma mm-hmm. of like how we've been brought up. Too, yeah. Right. And it's like, I think it's a, it's like when we can recognize that when that's happening, it's like. You know, like, no, like, let's not tear each other down. We're so much stronger together. We are so much stronger together. And it's also really freaking confusing when we're going between, like, don't sexualize me, but also I'm allowed to be a sexual human. Like, it's confusing for everyone. Like, that's what body autonomy is for. That's why we all get individual choice. We get to do whatever we want to do. But yeah, it's confusing for me, too, because I'm always like, don't talk about spanking my ass. I'm talking about going swimming with my kids. Yeah. Also, I am a mother. I'm allowed to be sexual when I want to be sexual. (laughs) Like, it's really, it's, it's funny. It's it's a tough thing to navigate. I agree. But like, on that topic, too, though, like, I guess... So I was having this conversation with another friend of mine who has like a couple of kids. And I, so I'm curious, like, what's been like for you? Because you've had, you know, oh, my God, it's five. Total? Four kids. Four, sorry. Do four not total. give me another like, child right now. Did you just will that into existence? There's a lot of them. There's four. Three. I confuse two of them sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three okay, teenagers okay. and a toddler. Thank you. Yeah. And so what has been like, I guess, like your journey now having... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You know, because they're all quite, they're like spread out. Yeah. You know, like what's your, like, I guess your own sexual journey of like, been like, you know, navigating, I guess, like that with your partners and yeah. like with yourself, like mm-hmm. as you've gone through this. I mean, I was married at such a young age and a big reason I got married so young was because I was in a very like Christian environment. Mm-hmm. And so you had to get married to have sex. Not to say that that's why I got married, but I definitely think that there is a part of me that's like, okay, that's guilt-free life, yeah, right? Sure. Like either one way or another. So wanted some dick. Yeah. So then <laughs> By 20, I was pregnant. By 25, I've got three kids. My life just became like a bit of a, it was never, I never really got a chance to feel 
don't know. I just went so quickly into like being a wife and yes. mom that I didn't really ever get that chance to like even figure myself out. Yeah. And so I found when I was single and 30 and like dating with three kids, that was like a really interesting jump. But I also am really grateful that I was well, my kids are also at a very curious age at the time and yes. they asked a lot of questions okay. and I just was real with them. Yeah. And also my parent, I was also living at my parents' house. So obviously not much happening there, but they were also very like, I don't know, my mom and I were really close and they were like very open and chill with me too. But it was weird being 30 and moving back in with my parents because I immediately had a 15 year old's mindset where I yeah. was like, I'm sneaking around <laughs> and I was like, don't tell them anything. And yeah, so it was, it was really interesting to sort of come to a place where I, ended up living on my own yes. and getting and like meeting Shane. And like, we had this relationship that was blossoming and, um, really sort of taking that back. It's, it's been fascinating though. I don't feel it's interesting growing up in a culture that really my parents didn't do this, but just, I spend a lot of time in like youth groups and things mm -hmm. like that, but the purity culture, yes. and I haven't really talked about this a lot because it's still something that I'm unpacking, but how, ashamed you are mm -hmm. to feel certain things and I felt like my 30s really gave it back to me where I oh, no longer God. felt like I had like it was bad to want to have sex it yes. is bad to this or that like have these ideas or thoughts or even I remember you know getting to discover toys and talking mm -hmm. about that on Instagram and at the time nobody was talking about this stuff and now it's like so commonplace for us and I don't know. I'm so grateful for social media, for things like that, because I feel like it broke me even out of this mm -hmm. mold of shame of feeling like to want desire or to want sex was like inherently weird or bad. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still parts of it that I've always like lived within me. I've had a really hard time. I'm really bad at pursuing sex. I'm really bad at asking for it. My husband and I have been on the podcast before <laughs> and talked to a sex therapist and he was like, but I like to be pursued too. And I'm like, but I want to be pursued first. <laughs> like, it's just such an interesting <laughs> learning that. And also I think with so much body change, recognizing that I'm not less desirable mm -hmm. and that my husband has literally never made a comment about my body. Our sex life is actually better than it's ever been. And I'm four kids in, I'm, you know, I've gained like 50 pounds and I'm like happy. We have a great sex life. We have a great life. We have great open conversations about things. And I don't feel this like pressure. I don't have, I don't feel pressure to have a certain amount of sex. I don't feel pressure to feel like ashamed if I don't want it. And I also don't feel ashamed if I do. It's like a really beautiful, I, I'm so glad that so many people told me that like they're the forties mm -hmm. are like it because the thirties have been so transformative for me. I'm 38 now. And I'm like actually looking forward to my forties. Like I'm really looking forward to it. I love it's it really, I feel like I'm just like coming more and more alive as I age. Totally. I think you're just like getting closer to, I think like who you are meant to be, you yeah. know, and, well, and everything like comes with it, right? People. Do you ever yeah. look at like the stats for like oh, yeah. STIs and old age homes? <laughs> for sure. Rabbits. They are fucking every, they're fucking each other all the time. They do not like, and their bodies at this point, there's nobody with a ripped body anymore. Everybody no. looks like melted cone of ice cream, totally. like whatever. Gorge. And they are all fucking and having a great time because they've stopped being so in their head about yes. things and I think about that sometimes and I'm like I just need to channel her channel her in her like 
Yeah. What is Velvet her name? Velvet Ophit. Well, probably her name will probably still be Sarah. But um, <laughs> like she lives in Boca Raton okay, and cute. she's just like getting dick. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> granted, if my husband is not alive anymore. Yeah. If he sure. is alive, I'm getting his dick. But still, like I'm like, this is such a fascinating. It's a fascinating thing to like put yourself in that. And mm-hmm. I do that for a lot of things in life. Whenever I'm nervous about something, yeah. I'm like, but 80 year old me would love the story. 80 year old me would be so glad she did this. 80 year old me yeah. is going to tell this story for even if or like I love the whole if things go wrong everyone's like do it for the plot like if it goes sideways totally. do it for the story yeah like, who cares if things if you fail <laughs> who cares if things go wrong anymore I am living for that so 80 year old me getting the dick doing the thing saying yes to life I love her I love her enough that I'm doing things 40 years ahead of her to make sure that she's got good stories to tell uh. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to 30s Sarah that just moved in to her parents. Mm -hmm. So did you like take that time to like discover your sexuality a bit? Because like, oh my gosh, Miles, I've never told these stories. If you're comfortable, but I'll tell it. ah, I'm just curious. Yeah. Did you get to explore at all? You know, you have to go into all the details. Not for very long. I ended up, I met somebody when I was serving and I had a very casual relationship. Yeah. But thankfully, I just did it like after work hours, whatever. Mm. And it was a very quick relationship, but it really got me out of that mindset of being, I don't know, like it was, it was a really interesting thing coming out of a marriage and feeling like such a lack of control Mm -hmm, and then moving in with your parents and feeling such a, oh my God, I'm 15 again. And so I was always such a good kid. I never rebelled. I never did anything. And so it was, I have such, I actually have so much gratitude for that guy because he just, it was just fun. It was just fun. It was a very short amount of time. Um, And then when that floundered, I was actually like, whatever. It was actually so nice to not, I I actually never thought I'd get married again. I Mm -hmm. definitely felt like I would just, date. I actually enjoyed that relationship so much that I was like, I could do this forever. I could just bounce around. I'm like, I never had my hoe days when I was younger. This is my hoe days right now. We're going to have a little hoe down. And so I really thought that I was just going to like go into that. But about six months later, well, I was working, I, Shane and I worked together, but about, um, six months after my divorce or so, we started hanging out and I was like, I was falling for him and I just liked him so much. And so when we ended up dating and like everything about him, he just made, he made life so fun. He made sex so fun. He made everything about everything so normal for me. You have to remember like my first wedding and this was not my ex-husband's fault. It's just how uncomfortable I was with my Mm -hmm. body that I took so much emodium to avoid pooping on my honeymoon because we had never even been in same spaces like that before that I froze my bowels and had to like get home. I had to have like a doctor's finger up my butt to like (laughs) get, oh my gosh. I was like, I actually like tore my bowels. It was so bad all because I was trying to avoid pooping in front of my husband. That's how scared I was. So I remember with Shane, I had so many stomach issues at the time. And I remember him being like, whatever, like poop happens. It's like such a normal thing. Like stop being weird. Like go to the bathroom. Cause I would like try and like leave and go home. And he was like, (laughs) you need to chill out. He really broke through a lot of things that I didn't realize Mm -hmm. were a part of me. And 
and also created an intimacy that wasn't based on sex. It was like so much more. We would go for walks and we'd have such amazing conversations. We also at the beginning would have sex like seven times a day. And that. like it just it's insane when yeah. I look back and I'm like, why were we marathoning everything? <laughs> but we just like really had yeah, we just couldn't we just had such a great connection. And like it's interesting because when I got pregnant with Lemmy, ended up being put on pelvic rest. So we had only been married for about a year and a half at this point. Yeah. I'm now pregnant and I'm not allowed to have sex. So go through that level of finding your intimacy because it yes. wasn't just not being able to have sex. It was so frustrating to do anything else because everyone's like, well, you can do everything but. And I was like, no, because it's so frustrating because there was there was debating evidence on whether or not it was even safe for me to orgasm Whoa. because of the placenta previa that I had really yeah and I had been bleeding after sex so we had to just be so careful and both of us were so terrified like we thought we lost her so yes. at this point we were ready to do anything and it was interesting because what happened was every night we would just like hold hands in bed mm. and I remember thinking god remember when you were like 13 and somebody held your hand and how intimate and amazing that totally. felt totally and there's part of me that recognized that sex sort of took that away mm -hmm. But I didn't, I lost that level of intimacy. So us not going from like having sex so much, being honeymooners into you can't have sex and then into postpartum when like you can't have sex. It was a lot of handholding. Yes. It was a lot of like little tiny moments. He would kiss, he kisses me on the shoulder almost every single morning and tells me he loves me. And I'm like, that shit matters. Mm -hmm. Like that shit is real intimacy. Getting to poop and talk about how you have IBS in the same space as a partner that is intimacy. So like while the whole days and stuff were fun, I loved finding somebody that I got to actually create real intimacy with and that we have gone through so much together. And like even I gave birth to our daughter in my living room with him by my side. Such a beautiful moment that like so much of me was like, don't look at my vagina. And then I was like, you fucking look, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing right now. We were both just so in awe and like, we wept for like a week straight afterwards because it wasn't just that we brought this child into the mm -hmm. world. It was like what it did for us in the relationship and how much that we really shifted and poured mm -hmm. into a new level of intimacy that was really so special. But that all said, he's also such a jokester. And because at the time I was dating him, I was living at my parents. We could not have sex okay. there. And he had met me for a date and um, <laughs> we ended up having sex in a public place. Ooh. And so when he proposed to me, yeah. he put a location stamp on the inside <laughs> of my engagement ring. And it's the location of the rock we had sex on. <laughs> That's Jane. That's the man I married. <laughs> That's so something I would do. Yeah. I love yeah. This. Like, and if you've seen our proposal, uh, oh it's like God. the most romantic thing in the world. Yes. And then he's like, go check out the inscription. Uh. And I was like, you have got, he's, yes, the, he's the best of both. Like, he really is so but funny. Have you done oh it again God. on that rock? No. Oh, no. Honestly, public sex is not as exciting as people think it is. It's a good, you do, it, you do it for the plot. But the yeah. whole time I was like, we are going to jail. I have children. There was nothing enjoyable about it because I was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Can you finish? We got to go. We were both just like in a panic. Yeah. Uh, you're like me. I get, I get very paranoid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People yeah. Look at see us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very paranoid. Tyler is like so spontaneous with like the, no. the you know when we're like on our hiking trips. I'm like we're like just behind a bush. Like yeah. people are gonna see us, and he's like, no, it's fine. I'm like, mm, 
I like a cushy bed. For I like sure. a comfortable setting. Like even <laughs> when whenever it's like sex on the stairs, I'm like, who likes this? Yeah. Every part of me is uncomfortable. I'm gonna hurt for a week. Literally, I'm too old. Every sex scene you see in a movie nice where they're bed. like having sex all over a house. I'm oh like, my yeah, god! It's no, awful. even sex in the shower, I debate. Oh, I'm yeah. like, come on. It's water is actually so sticky against the skin. It's always just a battle. <laughs> like just just give up the gig, guys. It's agreed. not that great. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Oh my gosh, I do want to say something though. <laughs> Going back to yeah. your point of like the like real intimacy versus like maybe like the heat of the moment, mm. because I think I think that point you made is it's so it's so important for us as humans to differentiate. I think when we're getting like a high hit of like dopamine versus like actually like sharing this sort of like real intimacy intimacy moment with someone, because you're you're so right. I think a lot of the time now where we're seeing a lot of like people, you know, where casual sex is becoming more common, which is awesome. But like, but I think people also need to be aware of like the fact of like that it is like what makes you feel so good is the dopamine, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like understanding that like dopamine is still like a drug that your body is giving you in sort of this moment. And like when that wears away, whether you're in a relationship or like you're constantly seeking new people to like get that sort of newness or like that spark, that there is, I think, a very, a very different level of intimacy that you have to build, I think, with your partner and that, Mm -hmm. and it does take work. And, you know, I think even with Tyler and I, like, you know, we were the same way. Like when we first started dating, it was like, we were having literally sex so much. We were getting, you know, we were getting like UTIs and I was like, oh, this is the worst, you know, but it was like, but but, you know, but then, like, as we sort of are going into our relationship, it's like we we needed to find these moments, you know, like our schedules aren't lining up. We're exhausted. Like, how are we expressing intimacy, like, yes, within our relationship? Yes. And and I really want to encourage, like, everyone, whether they're in a relationship. And that, this also can be with your, like, your friends and your parents, too. It's like, how are you, like, having these moments of intimacy with these people mm-hmm. around around you and in your life? So Yeah, and I think if you really anchor a relationship on sex, then you put yourself in the position to lose out on, on a lot of things. Like, yes. sex is such a complimentary intimate thing that you can share together but how much you do it how long it lasts Mm -hmm. all of that is so not important like we could have sex five times a week and other times like twice a month and I our relationship is on such a baseline core even the fact that we were in a sexless marriage for because of my health Mm -hmm. and or like for some couples it's for mental health it's going through trauma healing whatever those things are and so I think it's it's really leaning into the whole thing but one thing I really have always hated is the term making love because I don't like the notion that sex equals love like sex is sex and love can lead to sex or sex can lead to love but they don't necessarily create that. You don't make love in that. And I think it also makes a lot of like over emotional bearings on what sex is. And I, I, I'm really, it's such a fascinating thing because when I was younger and learning like your sexual self and who you had sex with was like giving a part of yourself and you were less of a person and less Mm -hmm. valuable, the more sex you had makes it really hard when you're like, how do I discover myself or how is that mean? As I can't even imagine how many people are in relationships with somebody because they had sex with them and felt like they would be less of a person if they had sex with somebody else. And so I am glad that there's a lot more sex positive conversations. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, especially adolescents are growing up in spaces where they learn about sex and talk about it more freely that I feel will lead to hopefully more decisions and less shame 
driven things or less rebellion driven things. I don't really know. And I don't really know there's any, I have, I have friends who have only ever had sex with their partners and I have other friends who have sex with like hundreds of people. And that has no determining value on who they are and how no, they are in relationships totally. or their worth whatsoever. Like it genuinely doesn't matter that way. So it's a constant reminder for myself too, because I did really grow up in that narrative where even divorce, the fact that I was divorced and I remember even going on a vacation with Shane before we were married mm -hmm. and the amount of people that shamed me for like having an overnight date with my partner, wh Ugh. which I knew was going to be my life partner. And I really just had to like anchor myself in like my own truths and everybody is allowed to have their own decisions on for how sure. they operate with things. But yeah, I really, I really think that there needs to be a better understanding of like sex versus intimacy. Yeah. 100%. Because I, you know, I think it's just unfortunate that a lot of people, maybe they don't get like to a depth of, of intimacy with their partner and having sex is like the only moment in their yeah. relationship that they feel some sort of like connection to them. You yeah. Know, because, sex is great for that. Yeah, sex can really do that. Right. Totally. But it's like, you know, but it's really sad that like, I think a lot of people like they don't know how to like grow that further with their yeah. partner or it's like that's the only time their partner is affectionate yeah. to them in any yeah. way you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and a lot of the time we like latch on to that sort of moment mm -hmm. and, and that's a little that little piece that we hold on to mm -hmm. but it's like maybe that person isn't the right person for yeah. you or maybe that's something exactly. you need to grow more with this person if that person's also willing to meet you halfway yeah. you know so one thing that we do in our relationship too and is we don't have obligatory sex like Ugh. we don't have sex unless both of us are Love hell it. yes and that's been so important for us. And it's it's a it's a learning curve too when you're like, it's not about and you you learn so fast. It's never about what you look like. It's never mm -hmm. about you. It's usually stressed, tired, whatever. Totally. But when you're it, there's no obligation sex, then you never that other person never feels like they're putting the other person through it. I remember going through um that period where I wasn't able to have sex and I felt a lot of guilt that yeah. I was like some sort of a bad wife that I couldn't perform for my husband <sighs> this way and yeah. he was like Sarah this your job and your relationship with me is not determined on me getting off totally like that is not your responsibility I'm taking it off the table and the relief I felt because I was already going through so much that he was just like you have zero obligation to me whatsoever your job is not to do this yeah. like is not to meet my need when you're doing everything right now you're literally growing our child it was such a relief and we've just since that have never had I've literally can say that I've never had sex with my husband without fully wanting to have sex with my husband oh, that's amazing and I just feel like there needs to be more and I know people go through periods where sometimes for some couples like they actually need to almost obliged to sex to even want to have sex mm, like they need to sort so of true. it needs to start before they like really get to it so I'm not judging any other way that anybody does it but that's to, that's been a really great way for me to honor my yes and yes. honor my body and my choice which has been a really really freeing thing and it's honestly just made me want to have sex more but did you have to like go through I guess like in that moment of like when you were sort of feeling the shame and guilt did you did you have to like ask yourself being like, oh, it's like, you know, is Shane going to like cheat on me? Are we going to open up our relationship? Like, yeah. were, did you did you have those thoughts at all? Like, no, I didn't. But I just more like didn't I never want there to be. I just remember this from so long ago, mm -hmm. going through therapy in my first marriage. And the therapist said there's almost no coming back from resentment. Yes. And I just never wanted resentment to grow mm -hmm. and I never wanted it to build. And I know that sometimes things can be irrational and we were it, it was such a strange time. And so I just never wanted him to feel resentment towards the process or the what we were going through. And I think I 
I think I was carrying it a lot more, especially because we had such a sexual relationship and we were newlyweds Mm -hmm. that that suddenly being removed felt like I wasn't, again, purity culture, serve your partner, serve your husband. I felt like I wasn't doing my job. And so it took him saying, like, it's not your job. Like, we are partners. partners. Like, this is not your response. I think he said something to me like, I have two hands for a reason. And I was like, <laughs> oh. God bless. It's true. It's not like he was like the whole notion that he was not going to find any relief whatsoever ever. And it was totally my fault because I was pregnant and this whole thing was not real, was not real at all. And so, and he found it very unfair that I would put myself in a position where I only could please him when I couldn't get anything mm-hmm. in return, which is why we really met at this place of nothing is an obligation. And we waited until we could have sex again. And our sex life came back really, really nicely over time. And as it like, as I healed, obviously from literally pushing a baby out of my vagina. (laughs) Um, and it's been, it's been really great. It's, I, it's such a weird thing because I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it really put our relationship through something that I think is really something I'll always cherish. Totally. Yeah. I almost let you like refocus. Yeah. I think on like a lot of and really I, important things that might get missed sometimes. Yeah. And I think as women so often because we're sexualized pretty much from the get go yes. of like puberty, you, you hear from like adolescents that you're distracting boys that all that stuff. And then Ugh. it's all about like being attractive for men and mm-hmm. being attractive enough for men and making sure that they like you, making sure that they want you, making sure that you are you know hot and so to be in a position where you realize like your body is not what is serving the relationship is not the most important part of your relationship is such a freeing thing too and actually allowed me time and space to properly process if I actually did a podcast back when I was struggling with the fact that I had this new apron belly after Mm -hmm. delivering my fourth child and my husband literally on the pod was like, I still want you to get on top. Like, I know your stomach is there and I'm asking you, like, I love it. Like, it is not a thing for me. Like it is for you because we are, he's attracted to me. It is Mm -hmm. not like the belly is not a thing for him. Like he does not care. He's never made a comment. It's been a thing for me. It's been in my head Mm -hmm. because we are so conditioned to feel like our bodies are what we're bringing to a relationship. And so taking it off the table and getting to feel loved and appreciated for everything else was really a beautiful time. Well, yeah, we all need to find our shame. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you said shame at first. I was like, imagine. No. <laughs> yeah, we all need to uh, find our is, shame. He is a gem of a he human. Is, yeah. Well, Sarah, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your vulnerability today. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for getting a little spicy with me. Oh my I, god, we're so excited I to chat about you. Sex made me confess you. about my ho days. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to know more about you. Might have to shut the camera. The oh my god. Off. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you so much. This is such a fun conversation. And I love talking about the bridge between how we feel about our bodies and our sexual selves and really owning, owning the nuances between it. Because like we've said, like nothing really even makes sense to us all the time. And it's such a process. It's such a learning. Everybody does everything so differently from each other and how much better we are when we don't judge each other. And we really come into what works for us and what we are and the shapes that we're building and who we're shaping ourselves into. That's what's most important. 100%. Before we sign off, can you just let everyone know where they can find you before we let them all go? Oh my God, of course. (laughs) Usually I'm in Instagram stories because I cannot shut up. And so (laughs) I'm at the Birds Papaya on Instagram and that's sort of the wheelhouse. You can find me under everything else under there. Love it. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. I love you. Love you. We'll be right back.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.